0: Amen. Mm-hmm.
1: Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent his Son into the world to save glory.
2: And it's not good in the sense that it's good. It means God Friday. And somehow that ended up as Good Friday. And uh, everybody's too nervous to mess with it now. And we wonder what is good about this Friday? There's a good outcome, but it's it's a very bleak Friday that we celebrate. And so we come together as a family of God to walk through the passages that help us remember now one of the great things that we know about the way God created us is that we need constant renewal. We need constant reminders. Our good intentions, our love, our devotion, our commitment, our focus, <laughs> leaks. And so this is good that we gather together. And for you who have done this many, many times, though it is familiar, may it be fresh. As God touches you and speaks to your heart and in a way, in a way that is particularly important to you at this point, wherever you are in your journey with Jesus. If you've never been to something like this, it's very simple. Simply enter in and participate. Uh, this is not a moment where you have to be afraid of doing the wrong thing. Simply as you are uh, walked through, uh, again, this is uh, a guide. Uh, you might be familiar with the term liturgy. It simply means the work of the people. And the work of the people, in this sense, is a, is a work of, of blessing and grace to get to worship God. Our work done is to worship God. And so as we listen to things being read from scripture, uh, it allows us to close our eyes and say, Lord, speak to me in this scripture. As we understand what it meant to those first hearing it, but also as we appropriate it for ourselves right now, because Jesus is in our midst, where two or three are gathered together in his name. So you'll be asked to listen, uh, to sing, uh, to you'll be invited to participate in those ways. and then. Uh, I confused everybody last night on Monday, Thursday, by talking about how we'll be reading some things together and read it with great passion. And everybody was wondering at the end of the day, did I miss that part of the night? Um, but I've been so in, immersed in this, I was thinking about tonight, last night. And so you'll see that there's a time when we read. We, the congregation, become we, the crowd. And so this is a time to let it rip, you know, to, 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 to enter into that moment as if you were the crowd. And you will surprise yourself. And you'll feel a chill go through your body as we just even lightly touch on perhaps what it was like to have been there and and more pointedly to have been a part of that. Um, as, we, as we come to the end of the evening, uh, we want to linger. So you'll see it, it instructs you to simply sit and reflect. What a gift that is, right? What a privilege and, and a pleasure it is to take but enough time uh, for you, to be seconds or minutes or, or longer moments, to simply let this sink in. Because you know, with, with us moving through this evening together, it might take a while for your soul to catch up with what you've been hearing and experiencing. So we invite you to sit there and, and uh, simply reflect on it, and then when you're ready to leave in silence, uh, preserving uh, the, the sense of a deep reflection that God's calling us into this evening. And if you'd like to uh, contribute to the Benevolence Fund, uh, in the Lenten season, a great tradition is to to not only be blessed by uh, being still and, 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 and being renewed by the Lord and refocused in Him, but also then blessing other people. So, one of the things we do traditionally is we, we contribute to our benevolence fund, which is distributed to people in dire straits. so Lord Jesus, we have come before you again to listen to you through scripture, through song, through prayers. through your still small voice speaking to us at our point of need, our point of doubt, our point of worry, our point of confusion, our point of peace. So Lord, we invite you to speak to us and teach us how to listen to you. To identify your voice among all the voices that call out for our attention. Lord, I pray that there would be healing here tonight. That you would move our hearts, not just in a sentimental way or a symbolic way. That, Lord, you'd move our hearts to connect with yours. I pray, Lord, that you would minister your grace. That the heaviness of this evening would not be the heaviness of our sense of being lost to you but the overwhelming weight of your glory being present in this place. For that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice. He gave up his spirit. does that make you wonder, what, what did he cry out? What would have been Jesus' last word? He's already said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He's already said to John, this is your mother, to his mother, this is your son. He's already comforted one of the thieves. and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So what was the final thing? And just before the final thing, he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. It's an Aramaic expression. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They thought he was calling out to Eli, because it sounds like Eli or Eloi, right? They were confused. Nobody can be confused about what he finally said. And we know it because of what John tells us. John the beloved a disciple gives us an important detail regarding this final moment. And here's what he says in his gospel. Jesus said, it is finished. Not I am finished. He said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What was Jesus' motive and intent? What was his motivation and his intention in doing this? Uh, That's what a motto is. Motto means motivation and intention. And so people often have mottos describing what their motivation and their intention is. Sometimes they're silly, sometimes they're profound. And if we were to pick a motto describing Jesus' motivation and intention in being crucified, it could easily be this final word. Tetelestai, that's the word, tetelestai. It is finished. It also means it is paid in full. So, if you were completing a deal in the first century and you had paid what you owed, if you'd fulfilled all your obligations, written across that document, it would say, Tetelestai. It's done. It's complete. Paid in full. Everybody has fulfilled their part in the deal. And so in this case, it signals the culmination of Jesus' earthly ministry. I have completed my mission. Mission accomplished. It also secures the necessary fulfillment for what will follow. I have paid in full. Jesus fully. Even as he fully founded this movement called the church. But finished what? Paid for what? What does it mean? Well, it means basically that Jesus kept his word and finished everything he came to do, fulfilling the law and the prophets. This is very important. A lot hung in the balance. The prophetic momentum, the requirements of law for what constituted righteousness before God the whole sacrificial system which was not an end in itself but a substantial and symbolic reminder of the vast difference between holy God, righteous God and people and the prophets building on the law itself reminding the people who God is and who they are and the priests ministering uh, to the people on behalf of God And and the prophets calling people back so that the priest could minister to them, sometimes calling the priests back to God. And meanwhile, as they're giving their prophecy, having to deal with false prophets, giving conflicting messages and contrary messages. So Jesus comes and finishes everything he came to do, and in the process of doing that, fulfilled completely the law and the prophets. And so throughout his ministry, Jesus talked about what he came to do, so we can hold Jesus accountable. We can conclude having walked with him for three years through the scriptures, whether or not he really finished what he said he came to do. So here's some of the things he said. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. That's out of Matthew, out of Luke. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Out of Matthew. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, to pay in full on behalf of others. From John's Gospel, I have come that they may have life in all its fullness. Again from John's Gospel, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Of course, the father answered, I have and I will. Affirming and confirming that Jesus, in fact, was completing what he'd been called to do. He says, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. I think it's interesting, fascinating, that Jesus' first sermon represented a fulfillment, and yet... His first sermon was ultimately fulfilled and finished on the cross and paid in full. And now we read his first sermon to you. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And when he said, Tetelestai, he said it again. And all of it, from start to finish, was scandalous. The scandal of the cross is that God did this. And so as you listen and participate tonight, let Jesus' final word, Tetelestai, guide you through the evening. God bless you as
1: Priests and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews?
3: You have said it, said Jesus. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Pilate demanded,
1: don't you hear all these charges that are bringing against you?
3: But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise.
1: He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We, we turned our backs on him
3: and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the sharon, he did not open his mouth.
1: Unjustly condemned, he was led away. Now it was... Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message.
3: Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night.
1: Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again. Which of these two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas. Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Crucify
3: him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing, so he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying,
1: I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours.
3: We will take responsibility for his death. We are children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified.
1: As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him.
3: Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left.
1: Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. From noon until three in the afternoon darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, "Eli, Eli, Lema sabachthani! My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely, He was the Son of God.
3: Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The woman who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment.